0: Welcome to the Junction Church Aberdeen podcast. We're so glad you chose to listen to this life changing message. Wonderful. How is everyone? Fantastic. Well, we're coming up to Christmas. I'm always amazed at how much of the year is actually dedicated in focusing at Christmas and how quickly it's gone. You spend most of the time in preparation. You spend a few days, actually Christmas Eve, Christmas Day is really just the one day. Boxing Day recovering and the rest of the week wondering whether you should still be celebrating it because you put so much effort into making it happen. (laughs) And uh, so, (laughs) Uh, and then it's New Year and it's back to work and uh, that whole sort of uh, period. But we, um, this year, we want to look at the love of God and what He has done for us and what He has provided for us. And this morning's message is called Unconditional. And I want us to read from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, and... Uh, Sorry, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 13. And we're going to look at an interesting story of when Jesus was up on the mountain and the crowds came to him. It's the story of when uh, John the Baptist uh, has been murdered by King Herod. And Jesus... uh, It's about a year, we think... um, after the start of of Jesus' ministry, uh, and there's that overlap of John the Baptist, and John has been arrested, and Jesus is ministering, and um, finally John is beheaded, um, and the report comes back to Jesus. And Jesus makes His way um, from there, after He'd heard it. It says in verse 13, it says, When Jesus heard it, He departed from there by boat, to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus came out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. When it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And this story, um, I just feel at this moment that Jesus is, is is brutally affected by what has happened to his cousin. John Was uh, would have been a significant feature of Jesus' life that a man who grew up not knowing um, alcohol who lived a pure life in a sense that he, he didn't cut his hair he just lived in the wilderness and um, he, he was a man who was utterly devoted to God and he lived according to the promises of God the Bible says of, the, um, of him that he was the greatest of all the prophets and it's, uh, John the Baptist he's the one He's the last of the Old Testament prophets. He's the the one upon whom an entire era is beginning to close. And when Jesus hears the news, He knows that not only has His cousin, uh, uh, the greatest of all the Old Testament prophets, has been murdered, He knows that the time is now coming and and the finishing of an old covenant is coming to an end as a new covenant is beginning to form. And when Jesus was walking, Jesus walked on the earth in old covenant promises. He healed in old covenant promises. He did all his miracles, but he was was opening up a new covenant. And his ministry and his language was opening up the way and the language, the purposes of a new covenant. And so there was this merging of the old as it faded away and the new as it rose up. And so, when Jesus hears this news, all he wants to do is he wants to get away from people. You can imagine see, Jesus has come for the sake of mankind, but mankind is so brutal, so wicked, so vicious that they would attack and kill and murder just out of pride, out of um, greed, out of, in fact, out of Herod, um, basically out of lust to watch a, a woman dance. And and here he is, and he's John the Baptist is murdered for such a, a frivolous thing as that, and here he is murdered, and Jesus, all Jesus wants to do is get away from people, which is an interesting thing. So he, Jesus, gets in a boat, and he sails on a boat on, on the Sea of Galilee, and he goes now, um, he would have gone across a corner of the sea to to another part of the land where it was a deserted place or a desert place, somewhere that was isolated away from people and away from anyone so he can just be on his own. And Jesus is there and suddenly he turns around and he sees the crowds. When the crowds hear that John the Baptist has gone, a leader has gone, a voice that spoke to them, someone who kind of gave them a sense of hope, the crowd rises up and they start looking for another leader. They start looking for someone to give them hope. But here is a crowd. See, Jesus wants to get away from the crowd because the crowd is humanity and humanity is sinful. Humanity is, is, is wicked. Humanity is full of anger and hatred. And, and you know what? In a crowd, how many of you know that there are a lot of secrets even just in this room? That's an awkward <laughs> awkward moment right there, isn't it? There's a lot of secrets even in this room, right? Praise the Lord for secrets, that's all I can say. You know what? God knows the issues of your heart, He's taken them to the cross and they're dealt with. I want you to know that right now, just in case someone's getting worried right there. <laughs> we don't do we don't do exposing secrets. We do take them to Jesus. He, he, can, he can deal with them. We don't want to know. <laughs> I, I want you to know that, see, but Jesus, He's got a crowd, not just, not just any crowd. You can imagine, you know, we've got a room here full of people. Can you imagine 5,000 men, probably 10, possibly even 15,000 people? A crowd of people coming towards Jesus an entire town of people coming towards Him. A a crowd full of people, full of um, selfishness, full of uh, wickedness, full of adultery, full of thieving, full of every kind of imaginable humanity is coming towards Him and all He wants to do is get away from it. And when Jesus turns and He sees the crowd, the crowd are full of all of these things, yet He's got this this wave, this, this, this surging mass of like ants, of, of people, like rats that go towards uh, uh, the, 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 uh, the food source, like, like uh, locusts coming in on the last crop. There. Here's just this crowd of people. And you, I would imagine that, you know, if I were Jesus, <laughs> I would think, right, God, right, now's a good time. Boulder lightning, right now. Let's just blow this crowd up. (laughs) But Jesus looks and he looks at humanity and he sees the crowd coming and he loves them. That's unconditional. You see, unconditional, it's a word which isn't in the Bible, but it's a word which describes an attitude of God in His love for us, which is an unusual word because we can say God's love for us is unconditional, yet the gospel isn't unconditional. It really isn't unconditional, is it? There are conditions. When, when, when we enter, Jesus Christ created a covenant for you right? A new covenant. He created a covenant. And you, for you to enter into that covenant, you have to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? There's a condition to a covenant. Sharon yeah. and I entered into marriage 25 years ago, and we entered into a covenant with each other. There are conditions to the covenant. One of those is, I have to make tea every morning. Take it to her on a plate. So, is that okay, madam? Kiss on the cheek leave shut the door and any other servitude that's required <laughs> there are conditions to a relationship you want to walk with god there are conditions people want to say that you know that i can just god just loves me for who i am you know what he jesus looked And he saw a crowd, but before a covenant was cut, before anything had been done, before they had repented, before they had dealt with it, he looked at a crowd, the epitome of humanity in its worst state, and he loved them. That's unconditional. And that's the gospel. That's what we're coming at this point in the time of year to celebrate a gospel that is unconditional. Unconditional a love which is unconditional. And it's critical that we understand an unconditional love because what it means is that there's always a point of access for you to find your way back to God. You've got to understand that that because it's unconditional, because He looked at a crowd who were unrepentant, they were just looking, they were lost sheep, but in their lostness, they carried all kinds of sin and selfishness Yet he still loved them. Yes. You've got to understand that that God, He still loves you. There are many times we get lost. How many of you ever found in your own life? You found you just still feeling like you got lost. Any moments in your life? There have been several times I've been lost. I've told the story once, quite recently. I think the time when I was just a kid and my dad left me behind when I was had gone out the van. Dad had a transit van that we were all the kids in because there were so many of us. And uh, it was the days before seatbelts. And uh, we just had wooden boxes in the back of the van with cushions. and, uh, and Except I rarely got the cushion because I was the youngest. And uh, I normally just got elbowed into the back. <laughs> and, uh, um, and I'd gotten out the van and gone back into Woolworths to buy some more sweets and dad left me, he went home and there's a feeling of being lost that sense of not knowing what to do and when you're lost your decision making process you don't really know what decision is the right decision because you've got nothing to hang or hinge anything on you, you just make a decision you don't know whether it's a good one or a bad one but you know you've got to, you've got to decide something so you make decisions, and people are making decisions constantly in life. But they're lost in their decision-making. I remember it was about a year ago, Cheryl and I uh, went for a meal at a restaurant, uh, the Cock and Bull, where um, that's a place you don't say very often in church, isn't it? And, and uh, so we went to the Cock and Bull, and, and it, was a, it was a pub that's a, it's an award-winning pub. And uh, we were there for a meal about a year ago, and we were sitting and we had this little tiny place, it was a nice little table, but we could hear the conversation of the people next to us. And the conversation of the people next to us was this sort of self-psychology of life conversation. They were obviously dealing with all kinds of traumas, and the people were deciding what is the right way of dealing with life. And you could tell that they didn't have a clue. And that you could hear the voices, that the, sort of the sense of indignation about what other people should have done and what they shouldn't have done. I'm always interested in, in those kinds of conversations. My ears always sort of prick up. Because right? it's amazing how indignant we get about what somebody else should have said and what they should have done. As if we're so clever that we would have done that in that position. And it's amazing how we, we try and correct, they're trying to correct other people's behaviour with little knowledge of even how to do it themselves. And I'm listening to this feeling desperately sad that that's the state of lostness because people are are desperately trying to hang on to something which is right but with no knowledge of where right is. And what happens is that we have to come to a place understand that Jesus' love is unconditional. That when Jesus came upon the earth, He came with unconditional love. And it reminds me of the story of Hosea. Now Hosea is a prophet whose name is a Hosea was a type of Christ and his name is actually from the family name Joshua it means salvation it's a, it's the it's a, another name for Jesus. And so Hosea is a type of Jesus. And Hosea is told to marry an unfaithful woman, a woman called Goma. You would be if you had a name like that, wouldn't you? It's an unfortunate name, Goma. It doesn't really... Unless there's anyone here called Goma. I apologize. And... uh, uh, There could be. I mean, you never know, do you? And uh, I once knew a man who named his daughter Endument of Power. There's a name for you. I don't know what they called her for short. And... uh, (laughs) Power. And... uh, And uh, so... But... Hosea, the representation of her, Hosea, he's told to marry a woman called Gomer and Gomer's going to be unfaithful to him. And so, but before any of that sort of history unfolds, he has three children and he names his children the worst names in all the world. The first name, he has a son and the first name he, he gives his son is, a, is the name Jezreel. Now, Jezreel is a, is a fairly common name in the Old Testament, but it's made famous because Jezebel came, fell out of a tower, landed on the ground, the dogs came and ate her, and they named the place Jezreel. That's his name. Good one, isn't it? <laughs> and, and then he has a daughter, and he calls his daughter's name, and I'm going to have to read this out, Lor- uh, Lorahama. Go with me. And, which means not pitied or no mercy. Nice. And then he has a son, and he calls his son Loami, which means not my people. Now, you would think that he's being just vindictive now, wouldn't you? <laughs> And you would look at his name and you think to yourself, because names are critical. They're, they're the critical part of the Old Testament history of who you are. The meaning of your name has, uh, has a huge impact on who you are, your life, and your blessings that unfold from your name. And here is Hosea, and he's naming his children according to the state of humanity of the world. He's talking. Now, interesting. His first son is called Jezreel. But the meaning of Jezreel, even though it's associated with the place Jezebel, it actually means God sows. So before there are a people who have no mercy, before there are a people who have no pity, who have no language, who have no place, who have no belonging, before that, God sows. And you've got to understand the unconditional love is that God sows into our life. And it says in Hosea, chapter 2, verse 23, it says, this is how God works. He says, then I will sow her for myself in the earth. I will have mercy on her. This is talking of Israel, who have not obtained mercy. Then I will say to those who are not my people, you are my people. And they shall say, you are my God. And you know the amazing, this is the, this is the shift, the change of covenant that God has come, that in this life that we were a people that without, you didn't have a land, you didn't have anything that was happening to, uh, for us. We'll just wait for, um, so that we can get attention on my concentration is flowing. <laughs> it's all right, blessed. It's all good. So, what happened is that we are a people, how many peoples do you know around the earth that have no, they have no land, they have no, um, they have no land, they have no rights, they are no people. There you have uh, gypsies that go through, um, mainly through Eastern Europe. You, you have, uh, um, you've had the Kurds now have, have lands um, in northern Iraq, but they're the largest people group without a nation Uh, you've got people, uh, groups, around the world and they've they've got no heritage. They've got no promise. They've got no advocate. They've got no one standing up for them. And they are the most pitied of all the people because no one stands up for them and they've got no rights. They've got no inheritance. They've got no capacity to break out of poverty. They are just broken all of the time. And there's no hope. And God looks at us... And he says, that's who you were. That was your name. But for those people who were not a people, I will give you a land. I will give you an inheritance. I will give you something which you didn't earn, which wasn't rightfully yours. I'm giving it to you. For those of you who had no mercy, no mercy was shown to you, I will show you mercy. And this is unconditional. Why? Because it's coming to us before we did anything before we came, before we repented, before we said anything. And I want you to know this morning that the unconditional love of God is pouring out to you before you got up and repented for those vile thoughts you thought, the things that you said, the places you went, the things that you did. Before all of those things took place, the unconditional love of God was released upon you saying, I am your God and you will declare, you are mine. See, this is the unconditional love of God that we have. It says in Hebrews 2, 17, For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able... To help those who are being tempted. See, that's unconditional. That he came as a man, the Word became flesh. And he lived as a man, tempted as a man, exposed to the man's world, exposed to sin. And you know, we we see Christ and the miracle of who he is. That he lived sinlessly in a sinful world. I mean Adam and Eve, before they sinned, lived sinlessly in a sinless world. And they still managed to sin. <laughs> but Christ he he lived sinlessly in a sinful world and he died without sin. Yet all sin was laid upon him. He knew the burden which is upon your life. And many people, one of the greatest complaints that people have, whenever we talk, I'm talking to people who are going through troubles, this is what they always say to me you don't understand. You don't understand. How many of you have ever said to yourself, you don't understand? You know what? You're probably right. I don't think I do. I don't understand what's going on in your head. I know that when I'm troubled, nobody really understands what's going on in my head. Praise the Lord, <laughs> because what goes off in our head is that we become troubled, and we don't. But Jesus understands because He went through imperfection. In, in other words, He was able to make sense of every trial. He was able. To rationalize and deal with every event. We go through events and we're affected by them. He went through events and he took control of them. Which means he is able to understand your situation and know what you're going through, even though you don't know yourself. We know we're going through trouble, we know that no one else understands, but this is the truth we don't understand ourselves. What we're going through. But Jesus Christ understands you because he gained victory over what it was that was troubling you. This is the power of a a gospel, an unconditional love. Let me finish with this verse in Isaiah 55. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found, call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts, let them turn to the Lord and He will have mercy on them. And to our God, He, for He, will freely pardon. See, this is unconditional. Seek the Lord while He may be found. You know, our response to unconditional is to seek Him. When the crowd came out of the towns and the cities, looking for hope, looking for something in their turmoil, they don't know what they're looking for, they don't understand we know they don't because we know what they did later on we know how they responded in times of confusion but Jesus, knowing that these people would ultimately turn against him, he reached out and healed them unconditional and then when he had healed them He kept them and fed them. He didn't just heal them. He didn't just restore them so that they can go off and find food. He brought them in and He provided. And that's unconditional. And I I need you to understand that there is an unconditional love. And God is not just your healer, He's your provider. He's not just the one who came and paid the price for your sin that you might have eternal life, having scraped through, just managed to get through life and and all its troubles. No, Jesus came to heal you, restore you, and provide your every daily need. The disciples wanted to send them away. Send them away. Let them go and buy food in the villages. 15,000 people looking for a few villages. Can you imagine what would have happened? They're all racing down to the corner shop the corner shop sees them. At first he sees a crowd and thinks, whoa, it's my lucky day. By the time the, uh, the hundredth person's come through the door and taken everything off the shelf, he's beginning to wonder whether he, it was a good idea remaining open. And then by the time the, the thousandth person is banging the door down, wondering, what, he's beginning to scream, what am I going to do? Jesus knew the difficulty we have. And he came. And he said, I will provide for you. I will give you food. I will provide your sustenance. I will give you the food that you need. Not just for your spirit, but also for your belly. He takes care of your every need. Let's stand up, shall we? Hallelujah. Do you know it's a simple message this morning, but it's a message that we have to come back to, for us to understand that the complexity of the gospel can only be understood in the simplicity of its truth. And the simple message of the gospel is this: His love is unconditional. And He calls you. His love for you came to you before you even knew Him. He provided for you before you ever said sorry. You know, some of you are wrestling with breakthrough in your life and you're wondering if there's something you should have done first that God might come through for you. You're wondering whether whether you should have prayed a bit longer or whether you should have, whether you should have fasted more or, wh- or whether you should have repented first or, or whether... I, I want you to know that that's not actually the Gospel. The Gospel is this. Jesus Christ came to heal, to forgive and to set people free before any conditions were laid. The conditions we live in are not conditions of blessing. They are conditions of relationship. They are the conditions that enable us to, to have understanding and walk with peace and wisdom and revelation. But the true nature of who you are, the troubles which come to trouble you, Jesus has already dealt with them. His love, His unconditional love, has already zeroed them, has already counseled them out. Don't think you've got a place, some kind of trick where you can persuade God by some kind of fervency like some kind of monk in a monastery seeking all his life if he might attain the ladder of perfection by doing righteous things that somehow that is not the gospel the gospel of Jesus Christ is the gospel of faith we are saved by faith by faith we believe in him and everything that he has already done washes over us but his love is already there it's just waiting for us to come home waiting for us to respond Father I pray right now that in each person with every trial that people are wrestling with, every thing that they are struggling through with their heart, they understand that you've already created a way. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, just minister to each person in this room. And know that the Lord is speaking to some people here today. It's time to settle it in your heart. His love is unconditional. It's first and foremost, it's unconditional. He loves you first. He loves you always. He loved you first. And He loves you always you got to get it cuz the things that you said and you did they didn't separate you from his love they didn't divide you from his hand it didn't you have been written into the lamb's book of life there isn't there isn't a delete button in the kingdom of God it hasn't been digitally removed you haven't lost what you gained you just need to open up your heart and see what he has done for you again Holy Spirit I pray that it wash over every single one of us for those of you struggling in your heart right now just open up your heart and just give him all of who you are just give it to Him right now. Remember, as a child, in the old crusades, in the tenth crusades as a child, singing those songs, as we come down to the altar, I can come no other way take me as I am I can come no other way that's how it is maybe old fashioned but that's how it is take me as I am I can come no other way I thank you Jesus I just want to ask if there's anyone here today that you've never given your life to Jesus or you For more information about the church, visit us online at www.thejunctionchurch.com or come along and see for yourself in one of our services.